Welcome to another episode of EI on the Fly. This is our podcast about all things early intervention. Um, as you guys might know by now, we're continuing our discussion about tele-intervention and how to support families virtually. My name's Dana Childress. I am in Virginia. I'm an early intervention professional development consultant on our state's training team. And Emily is my co-host. I'm going to let Emily introduce herself. Yeah, I'm Emily Webb, and I work for the state of Massachusetts in our division of early intervention. Great. Thank you. Um, So today we're talking about a topic that I was just telling Emily, I wouldn't be surprised if people skip to because it's such a a kind of a critical issue in providing tele-intervention, working in telepractice, whichever um, term that you use in your states. Um, But this this episode, we're going to talk about supporting the parent-child interaction and the importance, kind of the importance of it and how to do it during tele-intervention. So before we get into some of the strategies, we thought it's important to talk about why parent-child relationships are so important in early intervention. I think, you know, we know that it's pretty much the core of what we do. We know current and longstanding social, emotional, and infant brain development research tells us that our little tiny ones, our infants and toddlers, need a safe and supportive environment, and they need a responsive relationship with at least one consistent caregiver. So that caregiver, of course, could be the parent, could be a grandparent, could be the childcare provider at the center. Um, And so we really want to partner with that caregiver or as many of the caregivers in that child's life. So when children have the support, Supportive environment. They have this responsive relationship. It's more likely to build resilience in infant and toddlers and ensure they have the skills they need to continue to grow, to develop, and to overcome challenges. So knowing this, knowing the importance of those parent-child relationships and sort of grounding our intervention in those interactions can help us in- help us understand why programs want to ensure that EI providers are working to support the parent-child relationship during tele-intervention. So I think I um I think we, Emily and I talked about defining what we need by parent. We're going to use the phrase parent. So a lot of times when I write, I'll use the phrase caregiver. Um, but know that either phrase, either word we're using, we're talking about all those important people that have those consistent relationships with infants and toddlers. So I'm going to toss it to Emily to talk to us um, again about you know as she shared her story about receiving early intervention as a mom, and she's got some great insights here about the importance of of that focus on early intervention. Yeah, you know <clears throat> this is interesting. This is one of those things when I was going to grad school for birth to three intervention, they taught you and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, it's something I think EI providers were always aware of, right? Um, It wasn't until I had a child with special needs that I really realized like, oh, this is why they're talking about this. And I think it's true for a lot of us who have raised children with special needs. It is sometimes much harder to develop that connected parent-child relationship. You know, my uh, Colette, who received EI, didn't make any functional eye contact until she was after, o- over a year old. And that's different. Like when I think about my other kids and like nursing them and they'd like look directly in my eyes and like smile. And, you know, we kind of had that connection. And with her, it was like, you know, we both loved each other and we were both very much kind of connected, but there wasn't that same sort of responsive back and forth relationship. And it took, it took a lot, like we needed help to build that, you know, that's one of the, the things EI really gave us. And, um, it's, you know, I can remember like taking care of her and loving her, but we, I really had to work very hard at making sure that, um, 
we were like really building that connection and that relationship. You know, I had to work a little bit harder when I sat across from her in the high chair because she would have been perfectly happy to like wring her arms and wring her little feet and just kind of like sit there and, and, you know, flick her Cheerios around where my other kids really wanted to go back and forth and show me the Cheerio and drop it off the tray and see how I was going to react and look down and then look back at me. And she, she didn't really have some of that stuff, you know, in the bathtub, she would, she would really like, she'd scream and cry and she'd cling to me. And of course I'd be there and I can remember my sweatshirt being like soaking wet from, you know, Velcro baby in the tub. But like we weren't getting anything out of that. She was maybe getting like her sensory or emotional needs met, but we, there wasn't that connection. And uh, again, it really wasn't until I was raising a child with special needs that it really dawned on me how critical this work is and what a gift that early intervention providers really get to to work on that and 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 use that and you know my daughter had a very very difficult temperament a very difficult temperament she was very whiny she was very cranky and like there were times my husband and I were like we're done we're done we can't take it anymore <laughs> this the crying yeah. is over the top we just can't do yes. it um, but, but figuring out like little ways to, to connect with her and kind of draw her out and, and figuring out how we can observe her and see like, well, when she does this, she's telling you that. And, um, all of those things were, were huge. And I'm really happy to say it, you know, she's five now and both my husband and I really have great relationships with her. And it's because, you know, we had professionals in our life that really taught us how to build that parent-child relationship. You know, a responsive relationship and environment looked very different for her than it did to my other kids. You know, my other kids, there was no effort. It it just happened, you know, yeah. where her, there was a lot of effort, both on our part and her part and our early intervention providers part to really be able to observe and say, did you notice this? Did you see this? Did you see when you did this, she did that? And it was like, no, I, I wouldn't have yeah. ever done that. Or I never thought to put a baby doll in the tub. Like, wow, now we have something that we can both connect over while she's in the tub. And next thing I know, she's playing and I'm laughing and we're kind of going back and forth. And it's not just this routine of me giving her care, you know? Yeah. Oh, I so appreciate you sharing that, Emily, because I, I mean, I think your story there could change an early interventionist perspective on what they do, honestly, because it's easy to come out of school or to come into the field and from maybe another field and think, you know, I'm here to keep, help kids learn to talk, right? You know, this child doesn't know how to stack blocks and do puzzles and things. So I'm here to teach those skills. When those maybe, maybe not be important. What, I mean, what's really important is the relationship because that's where the child's going to learn everything. And often we think, oh, that's the relationship with us as the early interventionist. But I think you speak to the importance of us remembering that it's the relationship that happens during the visit with the parent and the child, but really it's the bath time and all that important stuff that happens between visits. That's really where kids learn. And I can, I can appreciate what you said about having gone to school for infant and toddler development and you still felt like there was, you you know, even though that these people say, oh, a parent is the expert on their child. We don't always feel that way when we're thinking from the parent perspective, because we're getting your parents are getting to know their child, their specific child. So having that extra support, I'm glad that was helpful for you and for her. You make a great point too, about how it was work for you and your husband, 
but it was work for Colette too. So kind of working all together, you, the Colette and the provider, that was something that was really helpful. So yeah, I almost wish Dana that we had like a, this is so silly, but like a time lapse, like video of like it all going down. Because yeah. another thing I will tell the early intervention providers listening to that I'm not sure I would have fully believed if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes as a parent is like, once that relationship was there and my husband and I were being more responsive in ways that she needed her development started to really take off. Wow. And, you know, like I I look back and I'm like, I can see it. I can see when like, and the bathtub really stands out to me. I can see when I thought about her interests and I learned how to engage her in the tub and it was no longer just like Velcro baby clinging clinging to me and we get through the screaming of washing your hair and it's over. Like she, she started to communicate she started to like hold herself up in the tub she started to hand me toys she started to look at me and that's when I really saw changes in her development that's when we started to see progress in her motor skills and not too long after when she finally started using words it was it was huge and again I wouldn't have believed it if I as much as I do now if I hadn't lived it yeah yeah, it kind of gives me goosebumps because like that's what it's all about, right? And I, yeah. I, I'm interested that you said you can sort of remember the moment when things changed. You know, it's like you can re- we can remember when our babies smile at us or you can remember those magic moments and when things started taking off from her. I, I love that that happened in the context of your relationship. So I think the challenge then this last year or two has been even for practitioners who really we hopefully we all deeply believe that that really what we're there to do is support the parent child relationship but then they they were bumped up against the screen right like so how do i do that when i'm not sitting in the home in that supportive environment with the caregiver and we're not sitting on the floor we're sitting at the table at the high chair we're playing outside how they were trying to figure out how did they do that when their their philosophy maybe not have changed but their 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 way they interacted with the family through the screen had to change because of the nature of the distance. So I think it's so important to hold that understanding of how important that relationship is. And then think about how do my practices need to shift or where do I need to grow or stretch a little bit so I'm still supporting that relationship. And in fact, like we talked about in a previous episode, some practitioners are saying when they had to go virtual and had to provide tele-intervention, they actually found they were supporting the parent-child relationship better because the parent and the child had to do the interacting because the provider wasn't there to do it too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that maybe the tele-intervention leans it, lends itself to supporting even more of that relationship building by the, <laughs> by the necessity of the providers, just not there to kind of be a distraction mm. or another relationship in the room. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about it, Dana. I think this is everybody, you know, they're like, okay, you sold me. Now tell me how to do it, right? Like, good. <laughs> Podcast is over. <laughs> so, what are like, what are some strategies you have for folks that are saying, okay, I believe in this and I want to do this, but I'm struggling. This is hard. 
Yeah, I don't have the magic pill. I wish I did to make it easier, but I think we can share some strategies that we've heard from providers that are they're saying that are working. And later in the episode, you guys are going to hear from a provider talk about things like the importance of building rapport and setting the stage and kind of helping the family understand how this new service delivery method being tele-intervention could work. Um I think we would want families to understand at the beginning that the visits are going to focus on the parent-child interaction, that we are not expecting the family to plop the 18-month-old in front of the screen and then the the teacher, so me, or the therapist is going to interact with the 18-month-old and that's going to be the therapy. So we want to let families know that that that's not the and, and honestly, it's not really the way it should work on a regular home visit either, but that really the parent and the child are going to interact and we want to observe and see things that they're already doing. And that's kind of one of the cool things about tele-intervention is you might get to see some stuff you didn't even see before because you're just a camera and so you can be moved around anywhere in the house. So when we as providers sort of accept that we can't be hands-on, but the parent can be, and that, that interaction with the parent and the child is at the core of intervention, we know that's better for infant brain development. That relates really well to the coaching approaches many of us are using in early intervention. And that approach to really supporting the parent-child interaction and use of intervention strategies, the practicing of strategies, is how we're going to build the parent's confidence and the parent's ability to use strategies when we're not there. So I think that requires the family to know what to expect and the provider to make a shift to sort of let go of that, that need to directly engage the child, which can be a a hard one. And I I almost am cautious when I say let go of, I think we do need to let go of our clinical model that I got all the training, so I got to work with the child, but maybe think about that engagement differently, that you're still going to engage the child, but you're going to be more successful when you're supporting the parent-child engagement. So you're engaging the group. With that in mind of like the provider sort of thinking about your own practices and helping the family understand, then I think there's also a shift to thinking about how can we focus on family activities. And I think, Emily, you bring that up when you talked about the bath time. So I don't know if you want to talk to us a little bit more about how the provider might get access to some of those routines or how could those be pulled in from the other side of the webcam? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to really we have to kind of let go of this, this need or this feeling that like, we're not doing a good job at our job if we're engaging the child. And if we really shift that focus, like you were talking to, to the parent, we're actually doing so much more for the, for the child, right? Like that's, that's, that's huge. And I think also really thinking about focusing on the routines and activities rather than focusing on teaching skills. And that's one of the reasons, you know, here in Massachusetts, we, um, we work a lot on making sure that all of the outcomes on the IFSP are related to a routine. And that's exactly why. Yeah. Because if all of our outcomes are on stacking blocks or walking three feet or rolling from pine, supine to prone, um, then we're not really working on the routines and activities. And that's where kind of like the magic happens. That's where you can really see the development. And so giving yourself permission to say, I'm, I'm 
this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to not work on the, um, the skills or the deficits that I know this child has or the skills that are upcoming. And I'm going to really focus on the routines and activities. Um, I think another strategy is observe, 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 observe. And we've talked about this, Dana and I have talked about this a lot in the past in different capacities is really making sure that you're clinically observing. It's one thing to watch. It's one thing to notice things while you're multitasking, doing other things like paperwork. It's another thing to say, like, I'm going to really clinically observe. And I think um, a lot of providers, you know, used to say it sometimes feels awkward to be in the house and just observing. But the thing about telehealth is like, plan a telehealth visit during lunch and say, just prop me up on the side here. I really want to watch um, wh- what you do when you guys have lunch. I want I want to see it. I want to really spend some time clinically observing and just taking in what I'm seeing um, so that then you as the provider are going to be equipped with so much more information that's going to help you um, think about what are some strategies that we might be able to embed to support this caregiver in supporting the relationship with their child. Um, what else, Dana? What other strategies do you are you thinking about? So I think what you were saying, Emily, lines up really well with the mission of early intervention. And hopefully folks who are listening are, are, are familiar with the mission and key principles of early intervention. If you aren't, Google it. It's an easy document to find. But our mission tells us that supporting, we're there to support the caregivers. And when we support the caregivers and provide resources and support to them so that they can enhance the child's development during everyday routines and activities, that aligns really well with what we've been talking about today. So then we have to think about how do we do that? What do we do to help achieve the mission, to help achieve that that level of support that Emily was talking about? And I think one of the sort of accepted practices in early intervention right now is using your coaching skills. So building your ability to coach the caregiver so that that parent is practicing intervention strategies, problem solving with you, um, and thinking about really thinking about what they're doing, thinking about the impact their interactions with their child has on the child's development so they can keep it going during the rest of the week. Or they can tell their provider, this isn't really working for me, or I'm seeing this and I don't know what's happening, or I don't know what to do here and I need support, or this worked so well, now how do I use this strategy at the grocery store or at the park? So we wanna be thinking about how to use coaching skills and modeling is embedded in coaching. We tend to lean a lot in early intervention on modeling or directly interacting with the child, but I think we, we've got to think about, certainly because we can't reach through the screen and play with those toys, how can we support learning during that tele-intervention visit when we can't do modeling in the same way? So Emily, what are some strategies you guys have heard that providers are doing when they can't directly model or interact with the child in the same way as they could when they were sitting in the home? Um, I think, you know, all of the strategies that that we've talked about do good observations, be okay with silence when you observe, provide specific feedback about the uh, observations, and then inviting the parents reflection and feedback, right? Like, again, you you said we 
We so often say that the family is the expert. And one way to make sure that our actions are matching our words is to invite their reflection and invite their feedback. Doing things like asking them what routines go well, what routines have challenges, and then ask, can I observe that? Um, we talked, we've talked today, and then we've also talked in, you know, previous episodes is when you're going to describe a strategy or you get to the point where I've done my observations, I know what I think we need to embed. Um, so I'm going to maybe suggest some strategies, really be specific when you describe the strategy, you know, um, when we were working in people's homes, we would often do, our early intervention providers, myself included, would do a lot of modeling, but not necessarily tell the family that we were going to model. Yeah. And so we really need to make sure that now that we're behind a screen, we have to be really specific the way we're describing a strategy. You might think about sharing video examples with the family talking about the strategy, asking them to do it, and then observe and give them some very specific feedback. Um, model with a baby doll or a stuffed animal. Um, encourage turn-taking. All of those things to ensure that while you're working through a screen, that you and the parents are both on the same page so that when that screen is shut and, you know, the visit is done for the day, the parent can still continue to implement the things that you've suggested based on your observations to continue to help support um, their child. Yeah, I think it's Intervention has challenged providers to think about a different way to share their expertise. And I think we relied a lot on parent ob observing the interventionist interacting with the child. Many visits rely a lot on that. And tele-intervention has encouraged us to flip that, which really the flipping we maybe should have been doing anyway on in-person visits, like you said, doing more observation. But now if we spend more time observing what the family's already doing, then we can coach the caregiver to practice a strategy with the child with, the, with support. And you can practice it in different routines or you can practice and go, okay, well, the parent might say that didn't quite feel right or, or it didn't really work then you can practice it again. Like you have multiple opportunities during the visit to help the family practice the strategy or practice the interaction, which will then make it easier, like you said, for the caregiver to feel more comfortable trying it out between visits. That affirms that parent's confidence, inviting their feedback, shows respect for what the family brings to the table. And it helps the child become more competent and more, um, I don't know, just helps move the child's development along a little bit as a result of what the parent's doing. So we can, we can use those affirming statements and that specific feedback to say things like, look what you did when you got down to her level or when you held her, um, when you helped her get up on her feet, she was able to stand for a few minutes. You did that. Like we can describe what we see the parent and the child do and remind the parent that you're the one doing this, you're owning this and you're the one that's impacting the child's development versus me, the provider doing it and then passing it to the parent. That turn taking in a in-person visit is a great way to support parent learning, but sometimes the parent doing it first and being the one to feel that child make that that bit of progress with them doing it is pretty powerful. So we're going to wrap up our podcast uh, episode today with another story. We're going to hear from a service provider. Talk to us about her experience 
supporting the parent-child relationship and how she does how she gets the ball rolling with that how does she start by building rapport setting the stage so listen for some of the specific strategies she talks about and how effective they are with helping get grounded where we want where we want to get grounded in that parent-child relationship for our visits i find when we talk about supporting that relationship and and really getting down to how do we get the parent to connect with the child sometimes that happens automatically when we walk through the door. We can already see that there's a good connection between parent and child, and we don't really have to work hard. Um, But I think we're probably talking more about those families and caregivers that just seem to be a little bit more distant, um, maybe are a little bit more self-conscious with us being present and have a harder time just interacting naturally with their child. Um, I always find with those families, the best thing to do, and really the best thing to do all the time, is just we really have to establish that rapport. Um, and sometimes that just means that we have to take a step back, especially in those first couple of sessions, um, and just let things happen naturally naturally a little bit. Um, establishing rapport is key. And if we can find some common ground with those caregivers and, and get them to open up a little bit, we'll have a lot more success with getting them then to connect with their child in front of us and try some new things. Um, With that being said, though, I always find that the best approach is before we even get started with families, we really have to set the stage. We really have to explain why we're doing the coaching model, what we're hoping to see from that, and really what their role is as the caregiver in that process, and that they are such a crucial part of that process and we really need them um, to be a participant. And so I like to send, um, I like to send a little one page parent handout that I've created uh, beforehand that just explains the coaching model and kind of my role, their role and what the session will look like. I find if they can wrap their head around um, what that routine will look like when we are there helping them on the session, they start to have that buy-in a little bit quicker. And if we're consistent with the way that we present our sessions and the way that we're structuring our sessions each time, I see that we have a lot more buy-in a lot more, um, a lot more quickly. So those are some of my tips on how I get going and how I get started with getting them um, comfortable with us first. And then I find then we can work towards more of that action and helping them with strategies and helping them to um, do those return demonstrations for us. Okay, so we heard we heard a lot of good things from Melanie, and I, I feel like even the confidence in Melanie's voice reminds us that this can work, and this can be a, a great what method of supporting um, the supporting that parent child relationship and providing intervention. So with that, we're going to wrap this episode up. I hope you have enjoyed um, the conversation to be thinking about the importance of the parent child interactions. Um, and keep thinking about it, keep tapping into your resources and finding out what others are doing to keep grounded where we need to be in the to support that parent interaction with the child, just like Emily talked about, so they have that the child's development can grow within the context of that interaction. So thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll join us next time. You guys keep doing all the great work you're doing. Bye-bye. <laughs>